Welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 49. 49. The Rich Peverly episode. Mm. Dude, what a, do you remember Rich Peverly? Like, of he course was I remember just, Rich Peverly. Dude, him, and, so uh, him, him and Chris Kelly were like the third line bandits out there. Yes, dude. I remember one goal specifically in Vancouver. Uh, it was such a Rich Peverly goal, dude. He just kind of like took it over the blue line, skated to the middle of the ice, ripped the shot, and I'm pretty sure he got like his own rebound and just banked it past Luongo. It was electric he, too. Wasn't he like one of 15 players on that 2011 Bruins team with a no trade clause? I think I think so. I thought I remember Rich Peverly having a no trade. Like, but Shirelli gave everybody a no trade clause, which is why it was so hard to rebuild that team after they won. But I feel like I remember Rich Peverly because it was hard to get rid of him. Dude, what was that? Th- that third line was Kelly. Was it Recky and um? You you just said it, Kelly Recky. Oh, and Peverly, duh. Was was that well, the third line? I think so, cause, right? Because the Merlot line was the fourth line. Right. Yeah. That was Campbell Pie and Thornton, and yeah. I think you're right. Yeah, because that's why it was such a weapon. Because if Peverly got kicked out of the faceoff dot, then Chris Kelly would come in, or or I don't know who would play center most nights. I don't remember, but I know that they were both weapons in the faceoff dot. If I remember correctly, I think it was Chris Kelly. But um, I was gonna say I feel like it was Chris Kelly, and yeah. I feel like I feel like I remembered Recky playing a lot with Krejci. Maybe that was just the power play thing because he was a oh. tip merchant, dude. In front of the net, if mm-hmm. you if you threw anything at the net, Mark Recky, Mark Recky was putting some wood on that thing. He was tipping everything in those days. That was dude. when he was too old and slow to really, you know, flashback to his Penguin days. He was like, oh, I'll just plant my ass in front of the net and just tip everything you throw my way, and he did it, and they won a yeah. cup. Dude, it was su- that was such a fun team too. I I always said that no team was going to beat the 2011 team for me in terms of like my enjoyment. If if last season went a little bit longer, it would have been <laughs> it, it would have been right up there. Well, it felt like like 2011 especially. Like I mean, that was the first time since what seventy whatever since the Bruins won the cup. Like seventy yeah. was it seventy two or some shit? It was some, and- some of the seventies. And you could feel that it's been a while. Like the Celtics just won in 2008. Celtics were in the final in 2010. The Pats were doing their thing. Sox had a couple World Series. And we're just waiting for the Bruins. And it felt like that was just like such a magical year. Like you had Chara who was in his prime. You had Bergeron who was entering his prime. They just got Sagan. Like it was like everything. And Tim Thomas won two. He had two Vesnas. They had two. They fleeced the Maple Leafs for Tuka Rask. He's ready Mar- to freaking go. Marshawn too, dude. Marshawn. Yeah, dude. Here, like, and they, they, fuck. I know we were just, God damn it, I'm reminiscing. Yeah. They just got Mark Recchi too. Who's like, the guy has got a crazy resume to his name. And it was, it just felt like the whole city, like the whole Northeast region, like just so much rallied around that team. The, like the, the Merlot line, like they were, they had merchandise for their Merlot line. Like that dude. was their own thing. 
Dude, it was it's like the most famous fourth line of all time. Like yeah. I, I would argue that, honestly. I would argue the, that. The famous um Bauer ad with Gregory Campbell when he when he broke his leg blocking the shot and he's on one knee and it was like uh I don't know, it had some sort of like motivational quote that'll make you want to run through a brick wall. But that team was so fun and uh it was it was just it was like peak like Boston sports when that Bruins team was good. And you're right, and like you know the we had the 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 uh, the Matt Bolesky years, oh, Christ. We had yeah. the you know the Rick Nash years. We were trying to fight the demons of David Backus's contract, and maybe it's because I was in Connecticut in 2019. But it's just I don't know. Like we were all excited to be in the Stanley Cup Finals, rightfully so. But it just had it just had like a different feeling than it compared to 2011, and yeah. it felt like you're totally right. Like thinking about like this past season, I felt like there was more as much hype and like inclusivity about this team from like the local sports community and like Boston Bruins fan as that 2011 team. And yeah, they freaking <laughs> pooped their pants. Yeah, dude. Like and coming back to that 2011 season too, they're, they're coming in after that, you know, three Oh series lead loss to Philly. So they had those demons that they were fighting too. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously Mark Savard, and, and the Tim Thomas storyline too. That team in that year was just so much fun, dude. Bergeron was twenty four years old. Was that the was that the the year that the Bruins played in like three game sevens, or is that twenty thirteen? Yes, because they played Montreal in a game seven. They swept Philly. Then they played Tampa in seven, and then they played Vancouver in seven. Dude, I remember when they played Vancouver. If I'm remembering correctly, they went down 0-2, didn't they? Yes, they lost the first two games. Um, I think. I think both in overtime too. If I, because I think they what they lost the first two games. They won games three and four. They lost game five. They won game six, and then they won game seven. And yes. that was like that was such an emotional roller. Co- I can't believe we're doing, we're starting the whole episode talking about twenty eleven. That's crazy. <laughs> I know but we've never done rem- that. Surprisingly, actually, I remember everything from that series. I remember yes. Nathan Horton dying. I remember, uh, what's his name? Brad Marchand flipping Sammy Sallow over in the oh corner. Oh, my God, dude. Do you remember when he just grabbed Sidine's collar and started punching him in the face? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In front of the net. And he's like, he's jabbing him. I remember the uh, the Alex Burroughs finger bite on Patrice. Oh, dude, and I'm I- telling you. I'm telling you, sorry, I'm telling you, dude, when when Burroughs bit Bergeron and then the whole team is just sticking their fingers in everybody's mouths, yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, oh, this series just flipped. I remember exactly where I was sitting in game seven when, when, uh, who, what, Marshawn? I think they won like four to one, I think. Uh, no, and, it was four uh, nothing. Four nothing, either way. And I remember, I think it was like the fourth goal. Did Bergeron get the fourth goal? I, I know Bergeron had two that game, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think when Bergeron got like the, the fourth goal, and 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 that's when you knew, like, oh my god, like they won the Stanley Cup. I remember exactly where I was sitting on the couch. I remember the exact position I was sitting in. There's not a single thing about that moment that I forget. I remember. I've told this story before. I remember going to school the next day. I was in uh, shit. 2011 i was probably in like fifth or sixth grade and my mm-hmm. mom surprised me she pulled up at middle school she went to dick sporting goods and got me a, a Bruins stanley cup hat and a t-shirt and i went and changed in the bathroom and everybody was like oh my god how'd you already get the shirt <laughs> that was that was such a wild time yeah oh, dude. man it, four nothing game in game seven bergeron got the first marshawn got the second bergeron got the third and then marshawn got the empty net goal to seal it 
It was Bergeron's goal then, because it was the one when yes. he was like sliding on his knees, like in front yes. of the net, and he just kind of like hit it in. And that's well, when I knew I was like, holy shit, these guys are gonna win. And that was a shorthanded goal too. But I'll tell you this too: when when Nathan Horton got lit up, literally lit up by Aaron Rome, I will never ever forget. I was at home in my kitchen. And, well, I was in my living room watching the game. My dad was working at Sully's. And I picked up the, dude, I picked up the phone immediately, called Sully's. He answered. I said, Dad, we just won the cup. They're not going to they're not going to let that slide. You know what I, mean? <laughs> dude, play, I just got, go- I just got goosebumps. Oh, my dude, God. It, it was nuts. But honestly, to think about. Sorry, I'm taking this heating pad off my back. It's burning the shit out of me. Um to think about that team <laughs> to lose Nathan Horton that early in the series your you know your top line was he t- was oh shit either way your one of your no. first line he was second line right it was him it was him Krejci and Lucic um I, yes to lose that guy like that at the beginning of the series and the fight back and then to go down 0-2 and then to come back and win in game 7 i will never forget that team was it was that it hit early in the series? I thought that was game six. I thought it was early in the series. I'm trying to find it right now. Game three. It was game three? Yeah. Okay, so wow, I thought it was later in the series. That's insane. Yeah, wow. and, then, well, then he, and then Aaron Rome got a four-game suspension, so see you yeah. later for the rest of the series. Dude, and the but, whole thing, too, with, with Horton squirting the ice or, or the Boston water on the Vancouver ice before game seven. Oh, like yeah, there, dude. There were so many storylines. Luongo pumping, you know, saying it was – he didn't know he was just dropped to pump his tires or whatever. Or Thomas said that. Sorry. It was – it was it's like the, the Vince McMahon meme when he's like, oh, they were special. <laughs> when he's talking about, <laughs> Have you ever seen that? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, my God. But uh, no, I mean, and, and I think just, you know, what happened in 2013 and then what happened, 2013 was a special team too, but I think what happened in 2013 and then what happened in 2019 makes that 2011 team all the more special. Dude, 2013, w- would you say 2013 hurt more than this season? What, oh, oh, shit. All right. Well, because we have two Stanley Cup losses, 2013, 2019, and then obviously the disaster that was this year. How would you rank those three in in terms of pain um i would say the most painful one is honestly i would say 2019 because really they were they should have won there's no reason they should have won they when they when they made they swept the hurricanes in the eastern conference final nobody thought the the St. Louis Blues were below 500 to start the new year. Like I remember because that was when um, Toronto got bounced early, right? That was the year that they got swept. And I remember thinking, holy shit, this is literally setting up perfectly for the Bruins to win the Stanley Cup. And that was uh, like Chara's last go around here. Uh, It was, you know, say what you want about David Backus, but it was his moment. They're playing. I know he didn't play in the Stanley Cup finals, but they're playing his old team. It was going to be, I mean, this is before we knew the regular season success that the Bruins were going to have this year, but we knew that that team in 2019 was going to have to answer some questions moving forward in terms of who's going to be on this roster because we all knew that Chara was out the door. Even if he wasn't the most impactful player on the ice, he's still the captain, right? right. And um, it was just everything was setting up for them to win the Stanley Cup Finals. And like it, it, when they played, I couldn't – I remember after game one, 
the Bruins shit on on the Blues in game one. And I remember thinking, oh, my God, they're like, I, I think I was talking to my mom about it. And she was like, so you think the Bruins going to win the cup? I'm like, mom, I think they win in three games. I don't even <laughs> think they show up for game four. This is a cakewalk. And it just felt like that whole series, every game. And I think the reason that it hurts the most is because they should have won. And like I'm not saying that they should have won because like they were cheated, even though Wagner was tripped. But no, Achari, Achari was. Ah, I knew it. I knew I was gonna mess it up because Achari <laughs> was. Tripped. But they should have won because like if, like throughout the series, like it just felt like when the Blues scored or the Bruins, I mean the Blues would take a game, and you're like, yeah, but I'm not worried about it. Like, come on, like we're we're so much better than the Blues, and all of a sudden I got to even Game Seven, I was like, I'm not worried about it. Like I, I truly could not picture a world where the Bruins were not going to win the Stanley Cup in 2019. Uh, not, not win the Cup on home ice, too. Exactly, and it and that was the most flabbergasted. I was stumped. I could not believe that they didn't win 2019. And I think if you compare that team to this year and if you compare that team to 2013 that was the biggest missed opportunity in 2019 because they 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 should have won that Stanley Cup. Next I would say 2013 even though that was the most dramatic of course losing in in 17 games at uh, 17 seconds sorry but that Blackhawks team was an absolute wagon and going into that series I thought it was going to be a fight for the Bruins anyways and if if I had to put my money on it I would have said that I think the Blackhawks were going to win anyways I think the reason that that one hurts so badly is because of how the Bruins lost um but I mean, they played hard. It wasn't like 2019 where like I I fully expected the Bruins to win that. But like comparing both of those, the one that hurt the least is this year. Even though like it definitely hurt. Don't get me wrong. But like we didn't have to watch them make a march all the way through the Eastern Conference just to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals and then lose in seven or lose in 17 seconds in game six like this year sucked and i think that this year was more embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. It was more embarrassing than it was painful for me, honestly. Yeah, dude, it's so I like for every reason that you just said about 2019, I, I I would put that as my most painful as well. This year, this past season was more of like a quick shot to the head, and you just Ripping died. The, <laughs> <laughs> the quick little guillotine, yeah, lay under the blade. You're good. Yeah, the and then all of, this, all of a sudden, it's just done. <laughs> like it's just over. <laughs> so it, it hurt in terms of that. But 2013 is a very close second just because also on home ice. But like you said, the Blackhawks were a wagon. Like you you didn't really – you expected a tough series, but it could have gone either way. But mm-hmm. the way that you lost that game, you had the lead. You give up two goals wickedly in the, in the third just to end it. it. That's almost like a quick death too, but like not as quick as this year, but still. But I mean, hey – Anyways, long-winded intro here. Uh, <laughs> you know, I do want to remind everybody we are brought to you in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions LLC. You can follow them on Twitter at BNG Productions. I want to remind everybody as well, this show is brought to you by FanDuel. Go on FanDuel.com slash Boston. FanDuel.com slash Boston. Get those benefits. Get those rewards. Um, and go gamble your money. Hopefully you get some wins. But... On the agenda today, we're kind of in the dog days right now. It's July 11th in the in the middle, the the dead heat of the summer. Not too much going on right now. We got some Swayman Frederick arbitration hearings coming up potentially. We'll go through the Atlantic Division preview and obviously talk, you know, some projected lines and go through your DMs. So, um, dude, I put out a tweet 
a couple days ago, I believe. And it was just kind of highlighting all the star players in the Atlantic per team. And just seeing them all listed out is insane. Excuse I me. heard that. Excuse me. <laughs> no, you're right. It's the it's mango carts. It's <laughs> no, dude, the Atlantic is absolutely loaded. And even, even like, like, what do you think about the, uh, the Debrinket trade. I know we were kind of like right. hinting about it on our last episode, but now that it's official, I know um, that tweet today that I think Brett or Boosie, one of them sent to us of that, how that guy was playing a franchise in NHL and turned trade difficulty on easy and tried to recreate that trade, the Debrinket for, you know, a bag of pucks and whatever the yeah. draft picks were. And, and they still said no. <laughs> I mean, that's ridiculous. And then to turn him around, and his agent absolutely screwed him. I mean, what? What did he, he's signing for? Like what? Seven, seven and three quarters a year, or some shit like that. Something, something low like that. Yeah. Why did I say seven and three quarters? He's signing for like <laughs> seven point seven five million a year, or some shit like that. Like yeah. he had like sixty four <laughs> mil on the on the table from from Chicago that he said no to. Hockey, you come here for hockey knowledge and statisticians. That's dude. I with this podcast. I pulled that out of my ass. I can barely even count, let alone dude. Spew out seven and three quarters, dude. But so here's the thing. So Detroit, obviously with the Brinket, their top six got better for sure, but their bottom six, I don't know. It's still not up to that level right now. Their top six, their first line is Raymond Larkin and Debrinket. Good line. Second line, Jonathan Bergeron. JT Comfort, David Perron. Okay. Third line, Fabry Cop Sprong. Solid third line. And then Costin, Rasmussen, and Fisher. They're they're really like as much as that Debrinka trade is gonna help them. I don't know if their forward group is deep enough to really push for a playoff spot in the East or in the Atlantic Division just yet. I feel like they'll be close and they'll be a pest for sure. Yeah, I think I think they could be a little bit like what Buffalo was like this year, like a team on the out looking in, but you know. Honestly, I think the biggest thing for Detroit is next year, what don't they have like almost thirty million dollars in cap space or something like that? And that's that so. after, if I'm not mistaken, I believe that's after the Debrinket signing. So like they can make a huge splash next year. They have some pieces. They have Cider. They have Debrinket now locked up. They have Larkin locked up. And they're going to have some money to throw around. Listen, people were hating on Stevie Y for some of the moves he was making this year. I mean, he traded Bertuzzi for a first. Um, and he, and he, well, he waved uh, – dude, he waved Z- Zadina. That's like the fourth or fifth Czech player that he's waved in like <laughs> the last year. Yeah, I saw that. He's, he's waging war on, on the, the Czech, Czech Republic over there. <laughs> oh, my God. Look out, NATO. Yeah, but forget no, – Forget Detroit versus Boston. It's Detroit versus the Czech. Yeah, oh, is Czech is the Czech? Czech, yeah. Czech yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't either, know. Either way, um, no. I think Detroit. I think you're right. Detroit's going to be a fun team. I think to watch because they have promise. But I think Detroit. I think they're they're just preparing for the season after this. When yeah. when the free agency starts, and they got all that money to play around with. They got a couple of draft picks now because of some moves that they've made. Um, I think that can be an exciting team. Who do you think? Is uh, the team? Who do you think is a team in the Atlantic that's looking down at everybody else right now? I don't. I don't think there is one. I think there's a bunch of top dogs that are going to be just like it, it's like king of the hill. And you've got seven. How many teams in the division? Seven. Eight. Eight. 
eight you have eight rugby players minus Montreal <laughs> minus Montreal he plays tennis but <laughs> no no hates all the tennis players out there but compared to rugby guys you're gonna lose but I mean I think every team has a shot at finishing top three like look at Toronto okay so let's go through Toronto right now obviously they just added Bertuzzi um they're, they're still lacking, you know, in the goaltending department. They got Samsonov and Wall. Jake Muzzin obviously is on the IR. What about Murray? Murray, yeah, maybe. But he still doesn't, like, he doesn't, he doesn't move the needle. No, not at all. It's just, it's just like, another guy. It's like, whatever. But yeah. you you look at their top six right now. Bertuzzi, Matthews, Marner. Domi, Tavares, Nylander. Nyes, Kampf, Yarncroc. Lafferty, Gambrel, and Reeves. And then defensively, Riley Brody, McCabe Klingberg, Giordano Lilgren. It's it's that's a good that's a good team. That is a good yeah. solid hockey team. What can you read those top those top two lines again? Top two lines for Toronto: Bertuzzi, Matthews, Martyr. This is all coming off of daily faceoff, by the way. They're projected lines, and then second line of Domi, Tavares, and Nylander. Dude, Bertuzzi, Matthews, and Marner. Oh my god, that is I a know. disgusting line. But I do think it's worth saying though that I, I think they got to get rid of Nylander, right? I don't think they can afford everybody. Potentially, they they might have to. I know Brett um, from the Only Bruins pod was mentioning how they might just stuff um, Muzzin or keep Muzzin on that LTIR, and I believe um, Matt Murray as well. There were two. There were two guys. So if they can do that, they can potentially make Nylander work. But that's banking on those guys not playing for you at all. So yeah, that 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 top six is is disgusting. Like that's like NC seventeen shit. Like that (laughs) that's a that's that that can power your whole team if you have top two lines like that. And then I know that they were in on the uh, the Carlson sweepstakes. I would like to think that you know after getting Bertuzzi and Domi, they might be out on that. Right. See if they did want Carlson. Then for sure they would have to move a guy like Nylander, like a hundred percent. Yeah, but um, if if they were to move a guy like Nylander, I mean, how much of a how much of a, of an impact is that is that for Toronto? I mean, who would take that spot on his line? Because I mean, Nylander, he had what 40, 40 something goals last year and like a hundred points. I mean, he's a hell of a player. I know he's he's kind of come along slow, but but still leaving leaving that hole in your lineup. And not even really replacing it with a forward, you're replacing it with a uh, an offensive defenseman in Carlson. I don't think that helps your team. I think if you're Toronto, you don't want Carlson at this point. I think you want to kind of maintain the way that your team is right now. And if you're if you end up having to move one of those guys, then you're gonna have to bite that bullet. But the way that their team is set up right now, I know that defensively they're still kind of weak. Because they don't really have a number one goalie, I would argue. I don't think Samsonov is a number one goalie, um, but it's definitely a team to keep your eye out for. They're gonna struggle defensively like they always do, but their offense is gonna be high powered. I'm gonna feel so bad if 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 Toronto like makes a big splash this year because like let's not forget at the end of the day this is still Toronto, so they might still get bounced <laughs> in the first round. But like if they make it to the the Eastern Conference Finals or like oh God forgive that they win the Stanley Cup. Um, you gotta feel bad for Kyle Dubas, man, because like this is his team, <laughs> like shit. Right. And they they hired a, they hired a new guy, and then like you know, two weeks on the job, he's already signed Bertuzzi and he's signed Domi, which are great moves in their own right. But um, what about like 
would would you, if you were the Maple Leafs, would would you have preferred instead of signing Bertuzzi and Domi, maybe using that money to go out and get somebody like Hellebuck, who's on the trade market? See, if I was if I was them, that if I was a fan of Toronto, I would have wanted to see Gibson come in. I really? would have wanted, I would have wanted John Gibson. Yeah, still he's still under thirty years old. Um, he's nasty. He's just been playing in an organization that doesn't seem to give a single flying fuck about winning. Yeah, I feel like when people talk about um, you know good good goalies in the league, I feel like Gibson's always a guy who gets overlooked because yep. he's never he's never among the league leaders, you know, in terms of save percentage or goals against average. But he he's he's playing for like the freaking like the Trabro Titans, like that team. <laughs> An- Anaheim sucks, and uh, yeah, because he he said what he's never gonna play, he's never gonna play for them again or something like that. That that's a whole. And then the, and his the agent like sued the reporter or some shit like that, right? Because well, he said it was yeah. Fake. The agency said that he never said that, and it was a whole thing. So I don't really know if he actually said that or not. To be honest, I want to believe it's real because if if I was in his position, I would be feeling that way. I don't know if I would say it publicly, but I would definitely be feeling that way. So I want to I want to believe there's a little bit of truth to it, whether he said it or not. That has to be the way that he's feeling. And where there's smoke, there's. 99% of the time there's fire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that would be a good pickup either way. You know, it's, um, they're going to be a good team again this year, but I always say I'm never, I'm never going to be scared of the Toronto Maple Leafs until they can do something in the playoffs. I know that they partied in the streets when they made it to the second round this year, yeah, but they're going to get thumped in five by the Florida <laughs> Panthers. Yeah. So now what about like, what about Florida? Cause I, I don't know if you saw the picture, but Spencer Knight was back on the ice um, I know that there was a report about him going to uh, the Panthers camp or whatever it was that they had. So he could be coming back this year. It would help a lot if the Florida Panthers had an extra $10 million to spend. It, it, do you think if Spencer Knight comes back and he's ready to go to start the season, do you think that they start shopping around Bobrovsky, even though what he did for them in the playoffs? No, no, I don't think so. I think Spencer Knight will be in a backup role and, and, ease his way back into it i think i don't think florida is going to shop abrovsky i don't think there's that level of security with knight yet where they don't Mm. you know you know what i mean like he's you don't really know where his head is at um obviously we don't know what he went through with the player assistance program so i I don't want to assume or or um you know put these these thoughts in into his head whatever but um I think I, th- I think that they they just roll Bobrovsky at night. I don't think they shot Bob. But what do you think? I don't know. I, I think that you're right. And uh, I mean, I know up until um, what like game game four of the first round of the Eastern Conference Final, that Bobrovsky contract was absolutely horrendous because yes. he's getting paid ten million a year to open doors. But I know when they made that playoff run, I know that there was a lot of people in the media saying, "Oh, this one playoff run uh, justifies the contract from Bobrovsky." But I mean, at the end of the day, they didn't get it done, and they lost because they weren't the better team. And every single round they played in, they they won, but nobody pegged them as the better team because they just didn't have the better roster. So I wouldn't move Bobrovsky because you need to, because they don't. But just thinking about what they could do with an extra $10 million to spend from moving Bobrovsky would get me a little excited. I mean, if there's a way that they could, you would have to replace Bob with uh, with at least a, a starter. 
if you could ship off Bob, say, to, to Winnipeg and get Hellebuck in return, except now I'm hearing that Hellebuck wants to stay, same with Shifley. I don't know. They're always a mess. But it, <laughs> but you, you, I think you'd have to trade Bob for at least someone who you can rely on to be a, a steady starter for you. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that the only way that Florida is able to trade Bob is if they have some sort of confidence that you know, Spencer Knight is, is good to go and that, you know, everything that he's dealing with is in his past because we still don't know what he's dealing with, but it, it was really encouraging and I'm really happy to see him back on the ice and he was wearing a, a custom helmet from yeah. uh, like the Children's Hospital or whatever it was, which was cool to see because he is an all-world talent. I know, what was he, like taking like ninth overall or something like that? He was taken like, so high. He has a he has a really bright future, and from what I've heard from the kid, you know he's just as good of a kid off the ice as he is on the ice. So you hope everything is good with him there. But uh, no, I mean just thinking about like you know like who would they even get if they could if they could get rid of ten million dollars? Yeah, off their exactly. Caps? I mean, I mean it's definitely something to think about. But they still have Alex Lyon too, right? Right. He's, yeah. I mean, he's not. I mean, he's nothing crazy, but he you know helped propel them into the playoffs when Spencer Knight about, uh, left and. Picked yeah. up a, one win against the Bruins or whatever it was before he was pulled. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean, it's it. Lion at least showed you that there's stabi- there's some stability there and some reliability as well in his game. But there, yeah. um, so Florida's forward group daily face off again um, has it projected as first line of Evan Rodriguez, Alexander Barkov, Sam Reinhart. Second line of Carter Verhage, Sam Bennett, Matthew Kachuk. Third line of E2 Lusterinen, Anton Lundell, and Gregory Denisenko. Fourth line of Ryan Lomberg, Steven Lorenz, Nick Cousins. What do you think of the forward group? I mean, I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, it's the same it's the same forward group that they had last year. My, and... Minus minus Duclair though. Oh, that's right. I forgot about Duclair. I mean, I would think that they would take a step back then. And by the way, Having Verhage and Makachuk on your second line, I mean, come on. That yeah, is that's gross. Wild. <laughs> that's gross. Um, no, but I totally forgot about Duclair. I know he had he almost had 30 goals. Did he almost have 30 goals for him last year? Um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure, but I'll look it up. I know he had he had 27 one year, I believe. I don't know if it was last year when he was in uh Washington or whatever the hell it was. I'm beating you to it. He had 27. Two years ago, sorry, he only played twenty games last year. He had twenty, no, thirty-one goals two years ago. Even better. Either way, that's a good player <laughs> to lose. Um, but like the Florida Panthers last year, like looking at their roster, there was going into the season there was nothing that jumped out at you. Going into the playoffs, there was nothing that jumped out at you. But they just made it work. And there's something between those players in that locker room that went out there and, and brought them to the Stanley Cup Finals. So. I would never, after seeing what they did last year, I'm not in the position to say that um, I'm not scared of the Florida Panthers, but after reading through those four lines, Barkov is nice. That second line is disgusting, but like that, I don't look at that and go, Oh my God, you know, but I don't know. Again, it's hard to, to, to doubt them and to say that after watching the run that that team just put up last year. Yeah. Um, uh, Now they're defensive pairings though. They got Mahara, Forsling, Ekman Larson, Montour, Mike Riley, <laughs> and and Dmitry Kulikov. Are you scared of Mike Riley? Uh, terrified. I'm absolutely terrified. No, 
Not at all. I think that that defensive unit is going to miss Gudis a lot, though, because yes. he was huge for them in the playoffs. He was playing some heavy minutes. You could tell that he was the heartbeat of that team at times. Him and Matt Kachuk, they were setting the tone out there. I think they're going to miss him. I think the success of their defensive unit relies heavily on what they get out of Oliver ekman Larson, mm. and if Montour can build off of what he did for the Panthers in the playoffs last year. Because he had, like, what, six goals through his first seven games of the playoffs last year or something like that? I mean, he, no way he's going to play he, like that again. But, like, we all saw, like, when Bobby Bobby Orlov, Jesus Christ, when Dmitry Orlov <laughs> got traded, when he came to the Bruins, and, and how much, I mean, the team was already an absolute wagon, but how much he helped to build up what was already a dominant defensive core when he was lighting the lamp almost every single night. And if you can have that kind of output from one of your defensemen, um, that'll be huge for them. But I, I, it's it's hard to overlook the loss of Gudis. Yeah, that's I th- I'm with you with the Gudis loss. Um, I think he brought a lot of strength and, and just, he was the anchor of that blue line. He I brought think. stability. Oh, I missed Ekblad as well. Obviously, they have Ekblad. I don't know why Dave oh, yeah. didn't have him in the lineup, but um, well, well, is he? I know he was hurt in the playoffs. Is he like good to go to start the year? I'm assuming he will be. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know what his injury was. I, I don't remember. But either way, we'll move on to uh, Tampa Bay Lightning. So, a team obviously that's been kind of at the forefront of the Atlantic Division for the past what, like five years, basically, yeah, six years, five, six years. Um, that that. You know, that first line forward group stays the same. Stamkos, Point, Kucherov. Then you drop down to the second. You got Brandon Hagel, Anthony Sorelli, Connor Sheary. Third line of Michael Isimont, Nick Paul, and Tanner Janot. Fourth line of Cole Kepke, Luke Glendening, and Josh Archibald. Who? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I've been saying this for a while but dude they they like they gotta take a step back at some point right like it's been a while i know but i I feel like a lot of people maybe not a lot of people but i I feel like when people talk about teams from the east this year or or stanley cup favorites i feel like people are are not quick to write off the maple leafs but i Mm. feel like they've already started saying oh the 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 dominance of the the maple leafs jesus christ the lightning sorry i meant the lightning people are quick (laughs) to write off off the lightning and they're saying that you know this dominance of the lightning is over because they just lost in the first round don't laugh at me damn it i've had a long day but um I, i i feel like the lightning are poised to make another deep run this year they still have Stammer. They still have Kucherov. They still have pieces on offense. They still have arguably the best defenseman in the league in Victor Hedman. Sergachev is only 25, too, which is ridiculous when you think about it. They mm-hmm. still have, I think, if you ask 10 people, seven of them would say the best goalie in the league in Andre Vasilevsky. Cooper's a great coach, but I think that the most important thing about the Lightning, and I, we kind of like mentioned it for a minute in our last episode, is that they have made a deep playoff run like seven years in a row now. They're always in the Eastern Conference Finals. They're making their way to the Stanley Cup Finals. And with the players on this team, eventually that catches up to you. Like, you know, Steven Stamkos is no spry chicken anymore. Like you could right. see at times in the, in the playoffs last year, he was getting winded out there. And I think that losing in the first round to Florida, Jesus, dude, I'm having a long day. Losing in the first round of Toronto <laughs> and then having an extra 
two and a half months off to rest and recover that you haven't had for the last handful of years, I think is going to do wonders for this team. And I think that the Tampa Bay Lightning is seriously a team. I would not be surprised at the All-Star break. They're first in the Atlantic again. I would not be surprised if they're making another deep playoff run again. And I think that a lot of that stems back to they, they finally, for the first time in years, have had a full, basically a full summer of rest heading into the season. Right. Dude, you can never count out Tampa Bay. As long as they have Stamkos, as long as they have Kucherov, as long as they have Hedman, you can't count them out. Didn't um, Braden Point just pop off for like 50 goals too or some shit? Yeah, he had an insane season. Like you can never yeah, count 50, out Tampa Bay. Braden Point had 51 goals and 95 points. The quietest 50 goal season I think I've ever I, I ever remember <laughs> seeing. If you had asked me to to list out the names of players who scored over 50 goals this year. I would stop after three, and Braden Point would not be one of them. That surprises no. me. He would probably he probably wouldn't even be in your like top ten guesses either. Dude, not at all. When I think of the Lightning powering their offense, I you think of Steven Stamkos and you think of Kucherov, yep. and I know that they have they have a lot of good um, not role players, but they have a lot of impactful players on offense too that help plug some holes. But I would not think of Braden Point as a fifty goal scorer. That's crazy. No. And, and that but, decor, that decor is good too. They're, they're just—they're a solid all-around team. We also can't overlook the—they uh, lost. Did they? They lost Pat Maroon, right? Yes. Oh man, just a debilitating loss to that team. I mean, how do you move on from losing Pat Maroon, dude? Heart and soul. Heart. And I soul. don't know. I don't know how they put it together. I mean, they just lost their their first line wing there. <laughs> Dude, they lost the best playoff beard that team had. Yeah. <laughs> he, he won like three cups in a row or some shit. I think I I never liked Pat Maroon ever since. Uh, I liked him in Edmonton, actually. But after the whole thing with uh, when he was on the Blues in the cup final in 2019 and his bitching and moaning and kissing the ring and all that shit, couldn't stand him. Yeah. Where did he yeah, there, go? There might be a little bias behind that, too. <laughs> there, de- there definitely is. <laughs> team Jack. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's jump over to Buffalo. Buffalo, dude, Buffalo is my second favorite. Yeah, team I would say I know you're excited about Buffalo. I want I want to hear your thoughts about them heading into this year. Well, there's uh, the, one of the big X factors is Jeff Skinner having another really strong year the way that he did last year. If he can repeat that, then they're they're, they're going to be scary. Um, maybe not scary, but they're going to be a team that could legit take one of those playoff spots. Yeah. They got. Listen, like, listen to this forward group. Jeff Skinner, Tage Thompson, Alex Tuck. If you don't know much about Alex Tuck, watch all his highlights from last year because holy shit. Um, JJ Paterka, Dylan Cousins, Victor Olifson. Olifson has got a like a Hercules wrist shot. It's insane. Uh, Jordan Greenway, Casey Middlestat, Lucas Rusick, and then. Peyton Krebs, Kyle Oposo, and everybody's favorite player, Zemgis Gergensons. Zemgis Gergensons. I forgot he was still on their team. He's not even 30 yet. He's 29. Yeah, he is. He is. Oh my God. No, what do you what do you realistically think uh, uh that they're gonna finish in the Atlantic this year? Well, if you look at their deep pairing too, you got Darlene Samuelson, Power Clifton, and then <laughs> <laughs> and then Labushkin and Eric Johnson, and then you got Levi and Nett too. And Levi and Eric Comrie. Um, don't, and Jack Quinn is on the team too. He's just hurt right now. But you got to factor him into the lineup as well, probably instead of Rusick. But either way, 
that's a damn good hockey team right there. That's and it's not just a damn good hockey team. That's a really exciting team. Like like some of those players on that team are highlight factories. Right. I I think that Jack Quinn could explode this year. I yes. don't know why. It could be because I I bought a a, a pack <laughs> of cards the other day and pulled two rookie Jack Quins in the same pack. <laughs> but I think that Jack Quinn could could really go off this year. Of course, another year of Tage Thompson. I mean, there's there's really nothing he can't do on the ice. And I want to see if he can build off of what he did last year. But I'm most excited. The two things I'm excited for, of course, that that power coupling, no pun intended, of <laughs> Owen Power and Connor Clifton. Do you think that's really going to be their second deep pairing? Because <laughs> I think it's going to be their first. <laughs> the power coupling took me a second to realize what you meant. <laughs> I, I saw on Twitter as soon as... Listen, you... Honest to God, I... Yeah, I don't think that you will find a bigger Connor Clifton fan other than myself. Maybe yeah. his family, probably not though. I would, I would argue I'm a bigger Connor Clifton fan than his own family. <laughs> um, but when when he signed with Buffalo, there were there were people on Twitter with Buffalo Sabers fans in their bio, honestly and truthfully saying that he's going to be a first line pairing with Owen Power. And I almost spit my lunch out because there's no way in hell Connor Clifton is going to be a first-line pairing. I would love to see him play with Owen Power, though. Do you? I don't know, dude. Because I don't know. Your gears are turning. Yeah, you can tell I'm thinking. Um, yeah. Would you want if you were a Buffalo fan, right? And you had Darlene and Power. Would you want to? spread them out kind of like the Bruins do with McAvoy and Lindholm or would you want that to be like a top line power defensive unit I think I would split them out just because I think it would help Devin Levi if you have multiple good defensive pairings instead of just one juggernaut because I yeah. he I think I think Devin Levi is really gonna open some eyes this year I know he he did last year and he's also i just want to add the coolest goalie in the league his whole yes. jedi mind trick that he does when he gets <laughs> and he like meditates that he said he learned from uh episode one of star wars with qui-gon Jin meditates or whatever but yeah yeah i think i think he's gonna do well this year and i think that it helped swayman's development having the defensive core that the bruins have in front of him and i think that it also helped Olmark a lot this year how deep the bruins were on defense and i think that if you can split up those two defensemen Rosmus Dahlin and Owen Power. Um, I think it's going to help Levi tremendously. Mm-hmm. So I think I would do that. But it, it would be so much fun watching the two of them quarterback the game if they're out there together. Like it, that, I don't, I, I don't watch enough Sabers. I know you probably do more than I, I do because you're a I huge really, Sabers fan. But I really do they do. <laughs> do they play together on the power play? Uh, sorry, what two players? Owen Power and uh, Dahlin. On the power play, I'm pretty sure that they're split up. Let me let me double check really quick, but I'm pretty sure last because year those were are, those are up. two really exciting defensemen to have. I mean, talk they're, about puck puck moving defensemen. They're split up. Uh, Darlene is on the first unit with Tage Thompson playing lefty, and then Powers on the second unit with Olafson playing righty. I mean, they're both a couple of magicians with a puck on their stick. I mean, they're crazy. Uh, uh, Rosmus Darlene's like highlight tape when he was being drafted was like 
one of the most disgusting things I've ever seen. Yeah. There was no way that guy was a defenseman. Like the the uh, the confidence he had carrying the puck and moving the puck out of his own zone. I know I always you know blush over Kale McCarr whenever we record our episodes, yeah. but Rosmus Dahlin is so much fun to watch. He's so and, good. And the way that Owen Power can skate and move and command the game with a puck on his stick for a player his size. I mean, he's what six six. To have both, to have both of those guys on your defensive unit is it, it. They got something brewing, no pun intended, over in Buffalo right now. Well, dude, not only not only are they huge, but Tage Thompson is like six five two. They got a yeah. Big team. He's ridiculous, and I, I, I heard um, actually, I think it was the guys from Spitting Chicklets with a straight face compared Tage Thompson to Lemieux. Yes, but it was when Whitney, you it was Whitney, yeah, when you watch Tage Thompson, he's not Mario Lemieux. But the speed that he has, the shot with the size paired with the hands and the vision and the shot, I mean, he is as complete of a player that you're going to find. If he yeah. was a center, if he was a center, he would – I mean, I don't want to say he's underrated anymore because he just burst on the wait. scene this year. Tage Thompson? Yeah, is he not a wing? No, he's a center. Oh, they have him listed at right wing on their uh, on their depth chart, but – Really? Yeah. Weird. He, uh, either way, either way, either, yeah, either Thompson, way. I mean, he, he, he popped off this year. He, he kind of, he, he had a strong season two years ago. I mean, he, 2020, 2021, he had eight goals, six assists, 14 points. 20, the following year, he exploded, had 38 goals and 68 points. And last year, he had 47 goals and 94 points. So I want to see if he's going to continue this shotgun trajectory what he's going to do this year because the guy is seriously they have so many players over there who are just magicians on their sticks he's he's basically if owen power was a forward it feels like <laughs> dude and and um i i think they're the only team in the league that does it but every player has their own uh goal song do they really yes like, the only reason i know that is because jeff skinner's his party in the usa why don't more teams do that? That's such a fun... You know, the Buffalo Sabres were so bad for so long, they went, oh, we got to do something to get fans to come to our games. So they, 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 they try to have Malcolm Subban sing the national anthem to get oh, yeah, fans dude. in the building. I remember that. There's probably some poor, uh, like, nobody's ever heard what Zemgus Gergensen's song is because the guy <laughs> just never scores. Yeah. <laughs> hey, we would have... If, if they had Matt Bar... If the Bruins did that, we would have never known what Matt Barkowski's goal song was. <laughs> never dude i don't know how do you do you like that do you like do you want the teams to do that because if that's the case we don't get zombie nation every time yeah no i mean i think if you're a team like the bruins or like the the blackhawks or the chelsea dagger and you have these songs that are like everybody knows your team for your goals even like montreal they have that really obnoxious one i know that they, they just yeah. changed it like within the last decade but it's so freaking annoying but it's also so montreal like i think if you have a, a team where part of your identity and part of the the viewing experience is your goal song i don't think you can change it but if you're a team like the buffalo sabers who like shit buddy like they suck they've yeah. always sucked and like nobody nobody's cared about the buffalo sabers since um since Hasek was Ryan Miller, since no, he got ran over say, by Lucci. Yeah, I was I gonna mean, say because their their fan base is legit. Like they have a legit fan base who cares. But when when you have a, you know, you, you could take a couple off years and be bad for like two or three years, and you'll and fans will still be okay. But if you're the Sabers and you're bad for ten years, even if you have a loyal, strong fan base like they do, you're gonna start to 
see people be like, you know what? Screw it. I'm not going. They stink. They don't even try to get better. Like, why am I supporting this? Yeah. Yeah, no, I see that. I think it also helps that it's just them and the Bills. So, like, you know, they don't, they don't have to compete with a baseball team or a basketball team or anything. like. And I don't think there's no big colleges up in Buffalo. I don't know how close they are to Syracuse, but – um, geez, geography is not my song, my strong suit. But I think I, I think it's fun if you're a team like Buffalo, or if you're a team like um, forget about the Coyotes. But if you're if you're one of these new age teams that's coming around, like if you're the, the Golden Knights, I wouldn't be surprised if they did it. Or if you're the uh, the Seattle Kraken, I think it's fun to have each player have a have a goal song, especially because like the NHL, they've tried so hard to market their players, right. and like all of these guys have the personality of a cardboard box. Like I think some guys, I think, I think it's getting better though because they're it actually definitely like, is. Pushing for and, it. Well, I think Kachuk honestly is helping that a lot because they yes. have this guy. Because Connor McDavid is an all-world talent, and he's. If you're a hockey fan, there's no player that's more fun to watch than Connor McDavid because he can do everything on the ice so elegantly, so gracefully. But I feel like if you're more of uh, somebody who's just being introduced to the sport of hockey, I feel like Connor McDavid is so good that it's almost boring. Right. Yeah. Like he's not doing what Kachuk is doing and going out and like taking diving clappers because, you know, he's having trouble with his edges or he's like running guys into the boards. Not that I'm celebrating that or he's like not being deemed the rat king. Like I, I think that Matt Kachuk is more of, of a more fun to watch if you're a casual fan. I don't know. Maybe that's just me talking. No, because you're, you're not wrong because there's like like Matt Kachuk. Hockey's a messy game, right? It can be elegant, but it can be fucking brutal and violent, too. McDavid has highlight real goals. He has insane speed. He's got the craziest edges outside of Brad Marchand that you've ever seen in your life. <laughs> um, but but he he lacks like the I almost want to say he lacks the passion for the game. He's almost too good where he doesn't. No, no, but I, I might be Somebody sounding tag like Oilers analytics. He's <laughs> about to come at you for that. I, dude, I might be I'm I might be I might sound like an idiot, but then you have a guy like Makachuk who can do the same things, not not as elegantly and not as beautifully as McDavid with the wow factor per se, but he still puts up a good amount of points, but he's also, you know, getting he's, into the, he's getting into the scrums. He's, he's starting the scrums most of the time. He's laying people out. He's fighting guys. He, he he's like, he's just a psychopath. And yeah. McDavid isn't a psychopath. Well, I think like for like for us or for like people who can sit down and watch an entire hockey game, like if you follow the NHL, I feel like like you like I when I think of McDavid, there's a bunch of plays that come to mind, but the one that sticks out to me the most from last year was that play that him and Leon Dreisaitl had that I probably yes. sent to you a thousand times when Dreisaitl curled around on the blue line and had a backhanded saucer pass from the blue line all the way to the back door on McDavid's tape, like through traffic. And I look at that and that's like one of the most beautiful goals I've ever seen. If a casual or, or like, I don't, I don't mean casual, but if somebody who's new to the game of hockey sees that goal, I feel like they just see that as, as another goal. But if you see like Makachuk and he's out there, like, <gasps> like chugging up the ice and yeah. he's throwing an elbow and he's two handing a guy's stick and then taking like a clapper and, and like hitting post in or something. I feel like they're looking at that and they're like, Oh my God, who is this guy? Yes. And then you watch his interview and he has a personality compared to like Connor McDavid, who that goal that we just described is like a beautiful goal. But I just, I don't know. I just feel like it's, if it makes sense, I just feel like Connor McDavid is, is like such a beautiful hockey player. 
on the ice yeah. and everything <laughs> he makes he makes everything look so easy that for a new fan of the game it almost looks boring cuz like you don't, like I just feel like watching a guy set his edges and just and just put his head down and just skate past everybody and score I feel like is it as exciting as the absolute mayhem and chaos that Makachuk brings every time he touches the puck yeah and I will say too if I had the option to either go watch McDavid or Kachuk live, I'm I pick McDavid ten times. I would too. Yeah, I, eleven times out of ten. And right. that's and and Kachuk is a hell of a player, but he's no McDavid. But I feel like if you were to like walk around the street in the, I don't know in uh in California maybe, and ask ten people wearing a random NHL jersey, you know, if they would rather have tickets to a Florida Panthers Mackachuk game or an Oilers McDavid game. I wouldn't be surprised if you got quite a few Mackachucks. Yeah. I, I, I think the whole point is that we're saying, um, Kachuk is more marketable than yeah. McDavid. I don't even <clears> remember how he got, I don't remember how he got in this conversation. <laughs> oh, cause we're talking about goal songs, but no, I think that the oh, goal yeah. song, I think <laughs> that the goal songs is fun. I think it's just another way for players to help connect with fans. And I think of like small market teams, Buffalo isn't exactly a small market team, but mm-hmm. like, I think for teams that, you know, are, are having trouble selling some tickets and really having their players connect with their local fan base. I think this is a great way to do it. Yeah, I think so too. But, um, so that's the Sabres. Now we'll go to Montreal. I think outside of the Bruins, this is the last team in the division. Um, forward group, they got Caulfield, Suzuki, <clears throat> and Doc. Second line, they got Hoffman, Dvorak, Anderson. Third line, Newhook, Evans, Gallagher. Fourth line, Slavkovsky, Monahan, and Armia. Defensively, Matheson, Savard, Harris, Gooley, Jackeye, and Ka- Ka- Kovacevic. If that's how you say it. Don't forget. And then, uh, and then their goalies, they have Jake Allen and Sam Montembeau. Don't forget, they also drafted David. Sorry, Carey. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean. David, David Reinbacher. Yeah, that was I so felt, embarrassing. Well, whatever, but yeah, yeah. What about him? I felt I felt bad for I felt Gary so Price. bad, but yeah. uh, no, I mean, there's really nobody on that team that like moves the needle at all for me. I think thinking of things that I could be looking forward to, I would like to see what Cole Caulfield could do in a full season. I know he only played like a quarter of last season before he was hurt, but mm-hmm. um. Uh, that's a guy who, who in a full season can absolutely fill up the score sheet. I mean, he's a goal merchant. Um, Nick Suzuki, I mean, he was their best player last year. I think if you get a full season of him, uh, I'm assuming he would play with Caulfield, right? He would center Caulfield. Yeah. Um, I would like to see what they can do together. But like, other than that, man, like, there's just they didn't get PLD despite PLD getting on his hands and knees and practically begging to be a Montreal Canadian. Um, <laughs> There's just nothing that moves the needle for me, and I think that playing in the Atlantic where they're going to be playing these powerhouse teams, like Detroit got better, Ottawa got better, Buffalo, they're so young that with these guys taking another step, they got better. I think Tampa taking a, a, you know, getting the, I already said, getting a couple extra months off rest, they got better. Toronto got better. They got Bertuzzi and Domi. Florida Panthers just went to the Cup. And the only team that really didn't do anything is Montreal, yeah. which I thought was surprising. Yeah, I, I did too. I just think they know they're not in a position yet to kind of – they want to stink again a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> but, stink it up. I love it as a Bruins fan. 
so so with the Bruins, um, I'm just gonna read off the daily faceoff lines, okay? Mm-hmm. Marchand, Bergeron, and Pasta. Van Riemsdyk, Zaka, DeBrusque, Greer. No, I'm sorry. Uh, Geeky, Coyle, Frederick, Lucic, Patrick Brown, Oscar Steen, and then defensively, Grizzlick, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, Forbert, Shattenkirk, and Olmark and Sway and Net. So when you look at all these teams, right? You look at all these teams in the Atlantic, how much each of these teams got better. Oh, we forgot Ottawa. Hang on. Let's go to Ottawa really quick because they they were the last team. Um, Senators, Brady Kachuk, Tim Stutzla, Kyle Giroux, Dominic Kubalik, Josh Norris, Drake Batherson, Ridley Gregg, Shane Pinto, Matthew Joseph, Parker Kelly, Mark Kastelik, Zach McEwen. Defensively, Thomas Shabbat, Jacob Chikrin, Jake Sanderson, Artem Zub, Eric Brandstrom, and Travis Hamanick. And in net is Corpus Salo and Forsberg. They're yeah, interesting. They, Senators are an yeah. interesting team. The Senators were a team, I thought last year that they were going to be, uh, I didn't think that they were going to be, you know, top three in the Atlantic, but I thought that they were going to be a real pesky team because they had just traded for Debrinket, who they've now since traded away. And I thought that he was going to be a good pickup. They signed um, Claude Giroux, who I thought was going to be a great pickup. Um, Tin Stutzel, by the way, is a maniac with a puck. Man, um, he's he's so underrated. He was yeah, disgusting. he lit the Bruins up the first time the Bruins played them last year. Yeah. Um, but they were they were just a team that I expected more out of, and I was a little surprised to see them take a tumble in the standings and not do that well. With that being said, acquiring Chikrin was a big pickup for them, but. I don't know. I feel like they're going to regret. I mean, obviously they regret they regret trading uh for the Brinket after getting significantly less than what they offered for him. But I mean, that's a hole to fill. I mean, how many goals did he have this year? Alex DeBrinket? Yeah. Um this year Alex DeBrinket had do 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 like a high 20s, didn't he? He had 27 goals, 39 assists. 66 points, but he was a minus 31. Yeah, which is, oh my God. But I mean, the offensive production, I know he didn't, the year before, when they, when they, when Ottawa traded for him from Chicago that year, he played all 82 games, had 41 goals and 78 points. He definitely took a step back in terms of offensive production, but 27 goals and 39 assists is nothing to scoff at. And that's still a big hole. I mean, it's almost 30 goals you got to make up. And Ottawa definitely took, a step back, I would like them a little more. I think if DeBrinket was still there, but I mean, Ooh. do you think that they gave up on DeBrinket too early? No, I, I just think DeBrinket didn't want to be there, so they just said, okay, fine, whatever, and they got what they could. But you think they took a step back? I do, yeah. Mm. Even with right. a full season, even with a full season of Chikrin and Corpusalo, their offense yeah, might but, have. I uh, yeah, no, I just think that their offense sucks. <laughs> that's, that's fair. <laughs> like, who's scoring goals in that team? Claude Giroux isn't getting thirty anymore. Dominic Kubalik might pop off a little bit. Oh shit! Claude Giroux had thirty-five last year. Yeah, still. Yeah, I, I think they're kind of in the same. I I, I would put Buffalo ahead of Ottawa. Um, yeah, me but, too. But um, actually, so so that's perfect. So, do you, oh, you want, know what? What? I forgot about Brady Kachuk and Stutzla. So they do have some goal scores, but I still think that losing a 30-goal score, near 30-goal score in Debrinket is going to be um, a bigger hole than they thought that they were going to have 
Yeah. Um, but so you're right. If they thought he wasn't going to resign, it makes total sense to move on from him. So uh, let's do this. Let's rank our Atlantic Division from um, obviously eighth place to first place. What we're going to do is we'll we'll Mel will start. Mel will give his eighth place, then I will give my eighth place, and so on and so on. So Mel, if you want to start and and give a quick reason as to why they're finishing in that spot. All right. Last Atlantic, I have who I'm assuming you also have the most obvious answer in the book, the Montreal Canadians, because they suck. There's really yeah. no other, there's really no other reason I have to give other than it. Did you watch them play last year? Right. Yeah. I, I also in eighth place have Montreal. Um, they got some quick speedy guys who can score Caulfield and Suzuki, but they have a really small team. They don't have any reliable goalies. Their defense is terrible. Um, Slavkovsky still hasn't really figured it out. So uh, yeah, they're not ready yet. I still have Montreal in eighth. If if Slavkovsky doesn't figure it out, how much blame do you give yourself for convincing LeCavier to draft him in a bar? <laughs> I, I told you it was it was um, on purpose. It was happening. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, seventh in the Atlantic, I have the Detroit Red Wings because they're also not very good. They're better than Montreal. The pick above the brinket definitely helps. Um, but I think that they're. I think that Detroit is okay with losing this year, a lot of games, because of the cap space that they have for next year. And I think that I think that this is just this year is simply a stepping stone for the future of that franchise. Yeah, um, seventh place. I also have Detroit. Sorry to our old uh, boss who lives in Michigan now. And, oh, and Alec. Michigan, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Alec, but we both have Detroit finishing seventh. Yeah, your um, team sucks, boss. <laughs> obviously, obviously, the DeBrinket trade is going to help, but they're not very deep goaltending wise. They have Cider, which is huge. Uh, Samuelson is good as well, but I mean, I, I don't see them competing with other teams in the East. Like, I think Columbus is going to be better than them this year, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at last year because I, I was having trouble between who's going to be worse, them or Montreal. I mean, Montreal literally is bringing back pretty much the exact same team. I know they had, they'll they hopefully have a full season of Cole Caulfield, but they still had 12 less points than the Red Wings last year. So, mm. I don't know. Sixth in the East. It's sixth in the Atlantic. Um, starting out the same as it was last year. I have Ottawa for the reasons that we just listed. Um I just the other five teams in the lead, in the Atlantic I think are just they're they're good they're too good and Ottawa just isn't there yet. Yeah, um, sixth place in the division. I also have Ottawa. <laughs> um, it's and I don't necessarily that doesn't mean that they had a bad record, right? I think it's just I think they're over five hundred, but I think this division is so good that it's going to be so hard to compete in, and the East as a whole is so good that there's a lot of teams that are a little bit better than Ottawa and they're going to feel that this year. I think they'll be just outside of a wild card spot. Yeah. Yeah, I still I feel like Ottawa could be a pesky team to play though cuz I mean they were yeah. pesky at times against the Bruins last year but I mean yeah, the, pesky yeah. pesky only gets you so many wins. Dude, the pesky sends. <laughs> the yeah. pesky <laughs> now my next two, my four and my five were for me the two hardest to place. Mm. But number 5 should I say when I read the team, should I say if I expect them to make the playoffs or not? Yes. Okay. Five number five in the Atlantic, and I do expect them to make the playoffs, which means I have five teams from the Atlantic making the playoffs this year. I have the Buffalo Sabres. I think that they're I think that they're a fantastic team. 
I think they're a fun team, but I think the success of the Buffalo Sabres is in, a lot in Devin Levi, but I think it's it's heavily in a lot of these players because they're a really young team and a lot of these players taking the next step. And I I'm I'm more willing to put faith in other teams right now than I am in the Buffalo Sabres. But I do want to emphasize that this was my hardest decision, putting them fifth and this other team at fourth. Mm. For me, fifth, this might surprise you a little bit, but I have my I, I think my reasoning is logical. In fifth, I have the Florida Panthers. Listen, they made the playoffs on the last day this previous season. The only reason that they're so high on everybody's lists is because they had an insane playoff run. And I'm not taking that away from them. They made it all the way to the Stanley Cup final with with, with the roster that they have. I think they're built for the playoffs, and their main goal in the regular season is to just get in. And I, I don't think they're a team that's going to amass a crazy amount of points during the regular season. I think they're good enough to get into the playoffs. Granted, that would be a wild card spot. But I don't think they're like a mega power in the Atlantic Division. They're definitely good enough to make playoffs, but I don't think they're a they're a they're a top three threat. That's fair. And now I'm interested to see who you have at number four mm. because, oh, you don't have Florida making the playoffs? No, I do. They're, they're the last wild card. Oh, okay. And this is why I had four and five so difficult to, to peg because for me, number four in the Atlantic, I have the Florida Panthers. Interesting. Because I just uh, – because you're right. I think watching that team last year, they, they just barely squeaked in to the playoffs. But it, you can't – ignore what they did getting all the way to the Stanley Cup and losing Duclair definitely hurts but a player who we forgot to mention until we almost finished our segment with the Florida Panthers it's huge getting Ekblad back yeah yeah yeah. and who knows what they're going to get from Spencer Knight too if he can play but I think back to that team that St. Louis had in in 2019 because that team barely squeaked into the playoffs too and they went on to win the Stanley Cup and then they turned around the following year and in the COVID shortened 71 game season they were 42 and 19 so they were Mm -hmm. still a bona fide wagon even though I think expectations weren't as high as they should have been for that team following their Stanley Cup uh, win in 2019. So I just think looking at what Florida did last year and they're bringing in, and I think another year of Makachuk, I mean, he's still a young guy. He's still getting better. Losing Duclair hurts. Getting Ekblad back helps. I want to see what Ekman Larson can do. Um, I want to see if Montour can keep up anything relatively close to what he did in the playoffs. But, um, those were the two toughest for me, Florida and Buffalo, because I've mm-hmm. seen Florida do it. I haven't seen Buffalo do it literally in my entire life. So I think for that, for that reason, I have Florida at four, Buffalo at five, but they both make the playoffs. Yeah. So, so you just gave your four, right? Yeah. My four is the Boston Bruins. Ooh. And they're, they're making the playoffs as the first wildcard team. Florida is the second wildcard team. So I have five teams from the Atlantic division coming out into the playoffs. Um, But the Bruins like, and this is, I'm doing this assuming Bergeron is back as well. There's some rumors that he might not be back until later on in the season, maybe like towards December, somewhere around there. So you're going to have to potentially go through two months without Bergeron. Um, The team is older. And I think there's teams in this division that are eager and they're hungry. And they're ready to take that spot away. And I think 
that the Bruins still make playoffs, but I think they're a wild card team. Um, it, it was, it, it's just a gut feeling that I have. Yeah, that's, that's a solid reasoning. I'm not going to argue with you there. And I do. Okay. And we Number also, we, I'm sorry. We, we also right now, we don't know how JVR is going to hold up. We don't know how Kevin Shattenkirk is going to hold up. Is Mitchell going to be in our top six? Who knows? Um, um, geeky. I, although I think he's going to have a huge year. We don't know yet. So there's a lot of Frederick. unknowns. Frederick as well. Swayman as well. There's a lot of unknowns yeah. right now. The, there, there is a lot of unknowns. But assuming the Bruins can retain Frederick, that Bergeron comes back, that um, maybe Lauko takes another step, Geeky uh, improves on the season that he had last year, I have the Bruins at number three in the Atlantic for myself. Okay. And I think that even though they lost arguably the best player in the league in Connor Clifton to Buffalo, I think that they (laughs) – and Mike Riley, who can forget. They still have a solid top four defensively. They still have the best one-two goalie combo in the league. And I think that – as long as they have that and Bergeron comes back, they still a, a, a healthy and rested Marshawn. David Pasternak got his extension. They're too good to not make the playoffs. Yeah. But in my eyes, they're better than Buffalo because I just don't see Buffalo taking that taking as big of a next step. I think that Buff that the Bruins took a smaller step back than Buffalo took forward. Okay. If catching my drift. I'm catching your drift. I, st- I, I stayed along with that. And it was in – I chose the Bruins over Florida because even though I think that Florida – I just had a whole spiel about how I think Florida is going to build off of that run that they had last year and be a damn good team this year. I don't know. I still like the Bruins more. Maybe it's the bias in me. So I have the Bruins at three, Florida at four, Buffalo at five. All three of them make the playoffs. So you said four and five were the hardest for you, right? Yeah. Four and three were the hardest for me. So mm-hmm. at, th- at three, I have the Buffalo Sabres. Look, I know. Big Buffalo guy, huh? No, but re- really, look at this team. Your top six is disgusting. You have a bona fide superstar in Tage Thompson. You got Alex Talk feeding him. You got Jack Quinn. You got J.J. Paterka. You, you got Victor Olafson. Jeff Skinner, if he can have another resurgence here. And then you go on the back end, you got power, you got Darlene, you got Clifton. <laughs> you, that, Don't you, we don't he's an X factor. <laughs> and then who knows if, if Devin Levi can play the way that he did towards the end of the season and, and maintain that. I don't know, dude, they're a scary, scary team with the, the but, but the biggest part for me, is that they're a young team that got a taste of it last year, and there's no way that they're coming in to this next season with the with the usual saber mindset of like, fuck, we're just gonna stink again. They're coming yeah. in hungry. They're coming in that's, hungry. That's a great point. But for me, I think that the the pain of everything that just happened last year for the Bruins and everything that this season means if Bergeron comes back, as well as what the Florida Panthers just tasted in the Stanley Cup Finals, I think that those two drinks are more are stronger than the Buffalo Sabres 
almost getting a taste of the playoffs last year. I think all three of them got something to prove this year. And I think that however you have it, your three, four, and five, Bruins, Panthers, and Sabres, I think they're all going to be real close in the standings. The thing that might hurt the Sabres is their goaltending because they yeah. don't really have a backup goalie they can rely on. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, the Bruins and Buffalo, I feel like they're going to flip-flop all year long. Yeah, I mean, Devin Levi is, is great when he played last year, but I mean, how many games did he start? I mean, to right, expect right. him to, to hold up and to keep a high level of play for a full 82-game season when he's never done that before? I mean, he's not getting 82 starts, right? but right. you know what I mean? No, I, I mean, there, there's something to be said there, but I think he's definitely their X factor. If Devin Levi yeah. comes, you know, shoots out of a cannon, and uh, I mean, that team can definitely be scary. See, see, I was flip-flopping the Bruins and Buffalo, and I was I just kept looking at it, and it's... It's just like the top three teams have been the top three teams for the past like five years or so. Yeah, it's it's just like at at some point that that pendulum is going to shift. It's know. definitely going to change. And and for me, I think the first team that's going to fall out of that 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 coupling of three teams is going to be the Bruins, unfortunately, yeah. because for number two for me, I have the Tampa Bay Lightning. Because they've been, listen, they've been a wagon for the last seven years. They're still a dominant team. They still have one of the best coaches in the league. They still have the best goalie in the league. We've already said it. They have Stammer. They have Kucherov. They have 51 goal scorer, JT Miller. Are you kidding me? Yeah. They have a player who, when healthy, is still arguably, meh. Okay, he's the second best defenseman in the league because he's not better than Kale McCarr, but Victor Hedman is still that dude. Mm -hmm. They still have Sergachev. They still have pieces. And I said it before, and I'll say it again. I think that these extra two and a half months of rest that they have after being bounced in the first round of the playoffs, something that they haven't experienced since, what was that, 2019? I mean, that was like their first break in like four years. I think it's going to do wonders for this team. And I think that they've got something to prove. I think that people are writing them off too early. I think people, people still think that they're going to be good, but I think that people look at uh, Toronto. I think people look at maybe people who are buying too much stock in Florida. And I think that they look at those teams before they start thinking about the Tampa Bay lightning. And for me, I think the Tampa Bay lightning are number two. I would not be surprised if they jumped into the number one seed. Yep. Uh, For number two, for me, I also have Tampa Bay. Um, for all the reasons that you just said, Vasilevsky, Hedman, Sergachev, Stamkos, Point, Kucherov, it's, they're a top two team in this division <laughs> with a, with a full summer of rest as well. Um, they're, they're going to be a nuke this year. You know, the, the, the way that the Atlantic is shaping up, I mean, there's storylines for every single team. I mean, right. Montreal wants a number one pick cause they suck. Detroit is saying, well, hang on second we're gonna suck even more we want the number one pick so there's a battle going on there of who's gonna be worse uh, ottawa is irrelevant maybe not every team every team but one uh buffalo right they're like you just said they got they almost got a taste of playoffs last year they're ready to take that next step they're a young they're an exciting team people want to see what they're gonna do florida they're trying to prove to people that last year what the that wasn't just a flash in the pan that run that they just had they're legit the Bruins are trying to prove to everybody that we're still here. We're still around. Sure, we lost half of our team and we had we fell on our face and had one of the most embarrassing performances of all time, but we're not going to do that twice. And the Tampa Bay Lightning are telling people we're still here. We're still the dominant Tampa Bay Lightning. We still got all of our guys here. Don't overlook us. 
So there's storylines to go all around the league. Yeah. Um, and I think that unfortunately brings us to who we both have as the number one seed in the Atlantic. Yeah. And it's a Tampa, it, it's the, it's the Toronto Maple Leafs. I mean, yeah. they were already one of the best teams in the league last year. They finished second in the Atlantic last year. And then they added Bertuzzi and they added Max Domi. I mean, that team is an absolute offensive weapon. They're going to score a thousand goals a game. It might be a different story keeping the puck out of the net, but who cares if you're giving up 10 goals a game if you're scoring 15? The yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs are going to, they're a legit regular season powerhouse. We'll see what happens when the playoffs roll around, but I have them as a number one seed. Yep. Uh, I have them as number one as well. Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner. That that line of Marner's, Matthews, and Bertuzzi is going to be disgusting. And with Bertuzzi and Domi, they have a little bit of like um, sandpaper and just guys that are going to annoy people but can also produce at the same time. They're pieces of shit, yeah, and that's what the Maple Leafs need. Like in the past, they've had pieces of shit that like bite fingers and like bitch and moan like Joffrey Lupel. But like yeah. Bertuzzi's <laughs> going to go out there and he's going to piss you off, but he's going to do it the hockey way. And Max right. Domi's going to go out there and he might just pound your face in if he wants to. But right. that's an exciting – they finally have some – serious pieces but most importantly too tyler bertuzzi this is a contract year for him he's betting on himself this deal that he signed with with uh toronto so you know he's going to go up there hometown team playing with two of the most electric players in hockey on his line i mean the sky's the limit for that guy the amount of points he can put up this year all he needs is to stay healthy i think that's the biggest thing for toronto this year yeah i I, they're gonna be a wagon it's gonna be a fun year in the division i can't wait to see how it all shapes out um Every team outside of Montreal has something to prove and something to play for. But, um, yeah, so there you have it. There's our Atlantic Division preview. And with that, we're going to jump right into the DMs. So this first DM question comes from our boy from the Only Bruins pod, Brett Howard. Um, You can follow him on Twitter at BrettHoward underscore. He said, will you be mad if the opening night lineup isn't Marshawn, Bergeron, Lucic? Because I will. I'll be pissed. Yeah, I'll be pissed. Wait, can you imagine? Can they, can they do that for just like the the, the opening draw of the season? Just I was gonna say they, they should do that, and then you know Bergeron's gonna win the draw, and then whoever the defenseman is, just stick it over the red line and dump it, and tell Lucic to just go right down the tunnel and take your clothes off. You're done. Like yeah. I just want to see him go out there for the opening face off, and that's it, just for old times. Yeah, dude, and that would be that would like I'm just imagining it now. Opening night at the Garden. The, the arena's dark. They got like the on the scoreboard, whatever jumbotron. The you know, the starting lineup, and they're going through the guys. Milan, Lucci, and the crowd. Oh. Lucci. <laughs> it's gonna be. It's come on. I can't even like listen. He, I don't think he's gonna make that much of an impact on the ice this year. But just having him on this team and like I. I, I don't know if you were being serious or not when we were talking about Blue Cheech trading for him last year at the deadline or whatever it was. But I've always been <laughs> I've always I've always been against adding Milan Blue because he brings nothing to this team on the ice really other than well he, I mean he adds some grit and some sim he he okay he adds some some good characteristics to your bottom six, which I guess the Bruins could use this year. But um 
I wasn't really that excited about the the prospect of signing Milan Lucic, but now that he's in Boston and after the Bruins tweeted out, you know, when, when they, when they trade for new guys or they sign all these players, they tweet out their Jersey and the Bruins tweeted out like, Oh, he's back. And it was the Lucic with the 17 on it. I was like, Oh my God, that started to get me going. I started See, to get excited after I saw that. I, I used to talk with, with Mark about it all the time and he's so against it, but I was always just like I, it's like I can see it. It's I'm telling you, dude. It's gonna happen. Well, let me ask you this: Do you think that with Lucic coming back and reclaiming number seventeen, do you think that it makes it even more difficult now for the Bruins to retire Felino's number? <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was a, it was a shoe in at first, and then Luch came back. And it's like, oh, I don't know anymore, pal. It's gonna be a real culture shock when uh, who's wearing twelve now? Ian Mitchell, I think. No, I think it's Shattenkirk. Oh, it's gonna be a real culture shock when Shattenkirk. He's gonna have to do like what uh, Ray Bork did with Esposito's number when Craig Smith is at center ice and uh, and Shattenkirk takes number twelve off and hands it to to uh, Craig Smith because they're retiring his number and he's wearing like twenty two or something underneath. <laughs> Except Mel, twenty two is actually retired. <laughs> oh shit. Right, twenty one? Is twenty one retired? Wait, uh, who's twenty two? Uh Willie O'Ree. Oh God, I'm an idiot. <laughs> cut that, cut that. <laughs> either 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 way, he's gonna get a New Jersey number once Craig Smith is there for his retirement ceremony. Obviously. Yeah. Um Jesus. But this next question comes in from Grace Roberts. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at GRobs underscore Boston. She said, think we're getting close to a Bergeron announcement? And then in parentheses, say yes. Honestly, no, I don't think we are, but I, I think uh, he's coming back. I, I don't mean, think... I don't think we'll know until the season's just right around the corner. Yeah, I, I, I like. I wouldn't be surprised if the Bruins had. First of all, I think that Bergeron is coming back. I think we've said it enough times, and I would not be surprised if the Bruins had an inkling, like if he got like you know like a wink, wink, and a nod from Bergeron that he'll be back. Um, but I, if that is the case, I don't think you're going to see an announcement or anything official until you know close to the start of the season, like you said. Right. Um. I'm in the same boat. I think he's coming back. I think he isn't going to let us know until literally like the last minute, which is fine because then that just means that he, the front office of the Bruins has known this whole time and everything we're doing makes sense. Like Classic just, Bergeron with a flair for the dramatic, huh? <laughs> I know, huh? <laughs> Leave it to Bergeron. But uh, this next one comes in from um, our other boy from the only Bruins pod, downtown Boosie. Boosie. Um, follow him on Twitter at downtown Boosie too. He said, thoughts on Detroit? <laughs> <laughs> Not the hockey team, the city. <laughs> oh, my God. The uh, Listen, I, I used to be a massive, a massive Eminem fan. And I remember... I like I, I used to I would wear my my skull candy headphones on the bus to school and I would be sitting in my class and I would be so excited to take the bus home at the end of the day because I would get to listen to more Eminem and <laughs> I remember when he released um oh shit was it Monster like what was the name of that album when we were like senior when we were in high school he released an album in high school and I remember listening to that and I was like damn like this shit is ass and he finally fell off and I remember thinking like I'm gonna be so sad someday when Eminem falls off and he's not good anymore. And uh, not that he's not good anymore. I mean, if you still listen to Eminem, like, you know, do your thing. But there's no denying that his sound and his level of music have changed. That's my tie with Detroit. It was it was either Revival or Kamikaze. 
Kamikaze. Oh, Kamikaze. Like, see, oh, I liked really? Kam- yeah, I liked Kamikaze, but Revival was horrible. Was was Revival? Was that the one with like Love the Way You Lie and shit? Um, oh no, it, it was no, Revival. Was right, Revival sucked. Yeah, that was my senior year of college. That was one of the worst albums I've ever heard in my entire life. That was the one that I listened to. Oh, you know what, dude? Well, the 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 album cover for Revival is him holding his hand against his forehead. Like, yeah, this shit sucks. I'm yeah, sorry. That's, that's what I looked like when I was listening to it. Um, <laughs> I liked Recovery, but the album he released before that, the Marshall Mathers LP two. He yeah. released that in 2013. That was my freshman year of high school. And I remember listening to that and I was I was scared that this was the end for Eminem. That like, man, he sucks now. And he um confirmed my fears when he dropped the revival in 2017. Yeah, I think I think uh Marshall Mathers LP2 was was that the one with um Rap God? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Rap God say that album. But anyways, about Detroit. This this kid tried to tell us that it was a top ten city or a top ten travel destination in the world. Buddy, I couldn't name you fifty more off the top of my head that I would rather go to. Jesus, dude. What top, top he had to pull that out of his ass. Top ten in the world? No. Is it top ten in the US? I I've said, never been to Detroit, but he, he said top ten in the world. Yeah, I listen, buddy. I don't know about that one. But yeah. uh, I wouldn't mind catching uh, catching a game out there. Like, yeah, there's... no, I wouldn't either. Honestly, like, if, we're, if we're being honest, like most of the, the people shitting on Detroit, like most of it, when you think about it, is like maybe 10, 15 years ago when the, the entire city was literally boarded up with cardboard. Well, it's getting, the, it's getting better. It's getting better. They, de- they declared bankruptcy, didn't they? I think so. I believe that they declared bankruptcy. But – um, it, no, it, I, it all went to shit when they sold the Joe Louis Arena. Yeah, <laughs> I like I like Detroit's um, I like their sports culture. Honestly, I like what they do with the Red Wings when they throw the octopus on the ice. I think that's yeah. a lot of fun. I think that it's one of the most storied franchises in all of sports. Of course, the Detroit Red Wings and that that monumental run that they went on when they were making the playoffs every single year. And then everybody thought that they were going to fall off. And then they found Thomas Tatar and the guy was just like, (laughs) I'll put the team on my back. And he did. I (laughs) do not like the Detroit Tigers because I'm still not over the mini rivalry that they had with the Sox around the 2013 when David Ortiz ended their franchise. Um, (laughs) The Detroit Lions, I sympathize for because they suck and they're really not making a very good effort at getting better. And the Detroit Pistons are just, you know, the bad boy Pistons were cool. That was two decades ago. Like nobody cares about them anymore. When I think about cities in the U S the first thing I think about is sports Chicago. I like Chicago. I like the Blackhawks. I like the Cubs. You could do away with the bears. But when I think when somebody names a city to me, the first thing I think of is if they're sports teams. And if I like their sports teams, I go, Oh yeah, that's a good city. If I hate their sports teams, I go, I would never, that city sucks. Like the worst city (laughs) in the country is New York city. Can't stand them. Don't like the Yankees. Don't like the Rangers, jets, giants, take them or leave them. And uh, that's how I equate my scale of whether or not I'd like a city or not. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's fair. Like that's true because then you, you think about a, a city like, I don't know, Nebraska, not Nebraska. You could say like Missouri. You're like, I could care less because you don't know anything about it because they don't have any sports teams. Yeah. Like, oh, like no, because no, no, St. Louis is in Missouri. I'm sorry. That was a bad example. But like Louisiana, Wyoming. I don't know. Yeah, boom. Perfect. Who's going to uh, what's in Wyoming? Des Moines? Where's Wichita? Kansas. Des Moines, I think. Make, Des Moines <laughs> makes jeans, don't they? I don't, I don't know. know. I don't know. 
Either but, way. Um. Yeah. Anyway, so we we do have some love from for Detroit, but don't 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 try to pretend. You know, don't try to pretend. Yeah, come on, not fooling on. anybody. I'm <laughs> sure it's a fun city, but there are some beautiful cities out there. I don't. It's not top ten in the world. Yeah. Um, so this next question comes in from our boy, Ethan 2.0. You can follow him on Twitter at incredible Mr. E seven. He said, who do you want to see step up the most, both in Providence and in the big club, regardless of regardless or not of Bergy Krejci. I have my answer for Providence. Cause I don't. Okay. So this player, I don't think he's going to be with the Bruins. Um, but I want to see Merkulov have a big oh. year in Providence, big year. Yeah. In Providence. I want to see what he can do as well. Um, you know what? This might be uh, a take out of left field. I want to see Regula. In Interesting. Interesting. He's a he's a big boy. He's a six four defenseman uh, from Brett's very own London Knights. I want to see what he can do because, frankly, I know absolutely nothing about him. I know that he's a big guy who can skate, and every team can use big defensemen who can skate. And um, I don't know. I would like to keep a closer eye on him this year in Providence to see how he does. I think you're going to get, you know, your Mikulov, your Fabian Lysel, your Beecher. You're going to get those guys that have been around the ringer. And except for Mikulov, I really want to see what he can do this year. But yeah. I just feel like for me, I would, I'm a defensive nut. I was a defenseman my whole life. So I always like watching them. And I want to see, uh, watch Regula with a closer eye this year. I also always thought his last name was Regula. I was surprised <laughs> to hear. I, I always pronounce it no, Regula, hey, like, that's like how, the Portois. <laughs> uh, yeah how would you say his last name regular that's that's how the average bostonian orders their coffee i was gonna say hey, yeah let me get a uh, let me get a regular cream and get nice nice ice regular <laughs> yeah but uh on the on the big club the player i'm most excited to see was that the question who are we most excited yeah. to see no Is no who, do you, who are you looking to um step up the most oh oh um ooh. Uh, maybe not so much step up the most, which I guess basically means I'm just taking your question and turning it into my own. But I want to see what Lauko does this year. You and I were just talking before we started recording. I am getting a Lauko jersey, and I will be wearing it to Bruins games this year. But yeah. I want to see what he does. He he's You got him around for two more years at a great deal, too. He's making, what, like under 750 or something like that. I want to see what he's going to do with consistent minutes. I want to see him in the lineup. Every night, I'm going to get fourth line minutes. I think he could sneak up and get some third line minutes. Um, but I want to see what he can do. I know last year, uh, we didn't really know what to expect out of Trent Frederick, and he grew exponentially last year. He almost had 20 goals. And I'm not saying that Lauko is going to get a, be a 20-goal scorer this year. He, he won't be. But he's an exciting player when he's on the ice, and he's a player I like to watch. So I want to see what Lauko is going to do this year. I think I'm... If I'm looking to see who, or if if I'm looking to see who steps up the most, right? I'm I'm I want one guy in particular. I want Jake DeBrusque to take his strong season from last year and continue and push to be even better because That's he's going to be giant. He's such a big, big, big X factor of this team because he's he's that he's that guy you don't need to rely on offensively every night, but. What you need for him to be is consistent, because that if he if he's not going, then you're relying on the top guys to really carry the team. If guys like him, Zaka, and I guess now you have to say JVR, if they're not producing, then you're stuck in that same 
um, path of relying on Pasta, Bergeron, and Marchand to, to create the majority of the offense. Do you think DeBrusque is going to go back on that first line again like he was last year? I hope he does. If if he's if he's not and he's on the second line, are you worried at all about his production? Because now that Hall is gone and Bertuzzi's not here anymore, he's going to have to start driving a little more of that offense in that second line. Yeah, I think I think that's why I'd rather have him on the first because I don't want him to have that weight on his shoulders. Yeah, that's fair. Jake DeBrusque is a is a great pick. I didn't even think about that because you you know Pasta on the second line, it's not going to matter. He's still going to. Firing, he got 61 40. goals last year on the second line, or whatever the hell, right? Exa- exactly. So, I, I think that's, I think you keep it that way. Um, let's see here. So, I know we have a couple more uh DM questions here. Um, this one comes in from Brian. You can follow him at TTM Brian. He said, Tell me what the plan is for this upcoming season. <laughs> Hope and pray, brother. I got no idea. <laughs> like, we don't even know who the hell our first line center is going to be. Hope and pray. Um, pray that Bergeron's back. And also, with all these older guys in your lineup, guys like Lucic, guys like Shattenkirk, guys like JVR, guys like Bergeron, um, guys like Marshawn, you better hope and pray you have a healthy, healthy season. Otherwise, yeah. like, if because those are older guys. There's a lot of wear and tear. Um, more likely to get injured. You're you're gonna have to be careful about that. Yeah, I mean it all it all starts with Bergeron. If Bergeron comes back and this team is healthy, it's a playoff team, and that's all you need is to just make the playoffs. Florida just proved you that. You've had teams in the past that have shown you all you got to do is get in, and uh, that's what I'm what I'm hoping for this year. And I think that's what we're gonna get. Yeah. Now the last DM of the night comes in from Frederick for MVP. You can follow them on Twitter at Frederick underscore MVP. They said, should Bussy get some time in the NHL? No, not this year. If if you're if the plan is to stick with all market Swayman, you don't ride a three headed monster. You keep that two headed monster and you let Bussy ride out the season in Providence and just get better. Yeah, I definitely agree. Uh, and I think that the fact that uh, the draft has come and gone apparently there were deals on the table for Olmark that were offered and rescinded. I think that the Bruins are holding steady. They're going to go into the year with their two-headed duo coming back. And I think, like you said, if Olmark and Swayman are still here, I don't think that there's really a chance that Bussy's going to get any, unless somebody gets hurt, unless one of them gets hurt. I think Bussy's the guy that gets called up, but I don't think it's going to happen. Well, the thing is too, you Just still knock have on wood though. Yeah. You still have Swayman and Freddie in arbitration. So you got to figure that out as well. Yeah. What do you think Swayman's going to get? I don't know. Also, wait, hang on. Ian Mitchell, what are you doing going to arbitration? They they gave... If you're a grown man and you you tell your company that, listen, I deserve to be paid more, and then a mediator who doesn't have any allegiance to you or the team says, no, you're worth about league minimum... The embarrassment I would have, I would request a trade. I wouldn't be able to show my face around that team anymore. I, I, I'm not surprised that Swayman filed for arbitration, and I'm not surprised that Frederick did. I wish that they would have agreed to deals, but, I mean, they're they're both worthy of going to arbitration. But Ian Mitchell, I got a good laugh out of that, yeah, going that to arbitration. Was, that was crazy. I don't know where the mind was at, <laughs> but he got a deal. Um, Swayman, I, I really don't know. Maybe... I'm wondering if he's looking for a shorter term deal. 
one or two years almost yeah like and at that point then maybe like somewhere between like two and a half to three would be fair i would say the thing Um, that would scare me about a bridge deal for swayman is um and I don't, I don't know if scare me is the right term, but just thinking about a couple of years from now, say he signs a two-year bridge deal, um, um, like you know, you know how stressful that offseason is going to be going in with with both Swayman and Omar being free agents. Yeah. If you, you better, lose, you, you better, better hope that Pussy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Dude, like if you have the chance <laughs> of losing both of those guys in the same offseason, my talk about a calamity. My God. A calamity. Yeah, dude. <laughs> and Frederick too. Frederick, I've seen, I think it was Bruins Cap Space that tweeted out that he thinks that the the comparables to Trent Frederick is now around two million dollars. So Which, you know, I think is is fair value. I'm okay yeah. with giving Trent Frederick two million dollars. Yeah, you, I, I I hope that he builds off of what if he can build off of what he did last year, and he can bump those scoring numbers up. I mean, he's going to have more of a role on that third line this year. That could be a great value contract. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think I think you need to bring Freddie back this year, um, and I think they will too. But, um, yeah, we we went through a like a gauntlet of the Atlantic Division. Um, oh yeah, good preview there. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it, but. At this moment, we're literally hitting two hours right now. So we are going to call this an episode. But as always, thank you guys for listening to episode 49 of the Something's Brewing podcast brought to you in partnership with the Black and Gold Productions LLC. I also wanted to give a quick shout out to our guests from last week from the only Bruins pod, Brett Howard and downtown Boosie. Those are it was uh, we Sully and I hope that you guys honestly enjoyed having them on. I know it was great for us. We've been talking with those guys now for a couple months, even before we were friends with them. We were both huge fans of their podcast and everything that they were doing. They're really kind of driving, uh, sailing the ship. You could say for a lot of the, um, this Bruins community and a lot of people that we've met. So it was really great to have them on. Um, I know they record their episodes. Uh, I believe it's Thursday night and they drop their episodes friday morning so definitely go check those boys out i know that they like us they're also beginning their quest to eashl dominance yes dude, their, they, their uh their first stream was tonight i was in there for a little bit it was fun so yeah if you're listening dude, definitely check that out yeah yeah they i i know when they last spoke uh on when they were on our last episode they said they hadn't hammered down a date yet i know they were kind of hinting at tuesday they were just streaming tonight and right now it's tuesday so i would think that they're going to be doing that every tuesday night but definitely go check those guys out um like you just mentioned i watched about 30 seconds of their stream before we started recording and saw they're up eight to six and Boosie made this disgusting move in front of the net. And I went, Oh shit, I think they're better than us. Which kind of sucked, but no, those are, those are great dudes. And again, we're super appreciative of those guys for hopping on the pod. And you're definitely going to see some more collaboration between us and them in the future. So, uh, yeah. Anything else? Nothing. Um, are you, you can find us on YouTube at something's brewing. Um, you can follow us on Twitch at, it's something's brewing pod, correct? Uh, shit. Or, or I think something's brewing podcast. I think it's something's brewing podcast. Hang on, my app just up updated. I can give you the exact. Uh, what are we? At something's brewing podcast. There you go. So that's us on Twitch. On Twitter, you can follow us at brewing something. Uh, you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore. 
And yeah, shout out to those two for coming on last week. It was so much fun. Um, if you haven't checked out their podcast yet, definitely check it out. You can find them at Only Bruins Pod, um, Spotify, Apple, or not Apple Music, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, YouTube. Find them, find them on all listening platforms. Um, yeah, man. Episode 49 of Something's Brewing, the Atlantic Division preview. Um, Listen, three three more weeks and we're at a year of podcasts. It's cr- Is it three weeks? Is it three weeks? Well, there's 52 weeks in a year and we're almost at episode. I know that we've missed a couple weeks because I was on vacation and we've also both had stuff that we had to miss an episode for, but fifth episode 52 is three weeks away which would mark exactly one year of podcasts so what a ride huh hey hey so i just scrolled down to the bottom our very first episode august 2nd 2022 so we're coming up on a year baby. Uh, we're We're getting close that's true actually because we've had a couple a couple times we did like two episodes in a week because like some crazy shit was going down or something so yeah we got to do something special for that we got to plan something yeah, we do. We will. But yeah, shout out to you guys. We wouldn't have made it to a year without everybody listening. So shout out to you guys being the best people out there. Seriously, the whole Sully said it a thousand times now, but everything that we do is so driven. It's 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 driven by you guys. Like the the voicemails are always so awesome to listen to and the DMs you guys give in and it just the the response on Twitter and like, you know, tweeting with some of you guys and engaging with with all of you. It's it's been a lot of fun. I've probably said it a thousand times, but it still absolutely baffles me that people choose to listen to what us two have to say every <laughs> week. It means a lot that you guys continue to tune in and support us. So uh, stay tuned because we could have some stuff for you in the future. Yes, we could. Yes, we could. Whoa! That's a little hint. That's yeah, a little we- tease. Yeah, we go, we might, may or may not have some giveaways planned, and by may or may not, I mean may. So be on the lookout for that stuff. Um, but anyways, episode 49 of Something's Brewing. Thank you guys all for listening, and we'll catch you next week. Did the Islanders have any big injuries last year? Um, no. They just stink. <laughs> <laughs>